Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Mm, well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning on this, this final Sunday of Advent before Christmas. We've got one more week, one more week to run around buying all the presents and wrapping all of them and make sure they're even between all the kids and the grandkids. You know, we got one more week before we gather as families or gather with your people and one more week before we get to gather as a church family to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Really looking forward to that. And want to give you just a little bit of a heads up that in our Christmas services, as always, we will be receiving a Christmas offering that, as always, will be given entirely outside the walls of Hosanna. And specifically this year, a portion of that offering is going to go to Feed My Starving Children because I get to bring you the very exciting news that early in 2024, Hosanna is the host site for the South Metro Meal Pack. And so, yes, that is really exciting. And what it means is that our Lakeville campus, that first week in February, is gonna be absolutely buzzing with volunteers, Feed My Starving Children staff, and, and volunteers from, from families and teams and businesses and other churches from all over the South Metro who will be gathering for one purpose, and that is to pack meals for hungry kids all over the world. And so as you come to Christmas services next weekend, I just would encourage you to come with the expectation of giving big as a family, giving toward this offering. You'll be able to do so with cash or checks, or you can give electronically. And I also just want to let you know that the registration is already open. So if you have a business or a team or a family that you would like to participate in that, just go to the Feed My Starving Children website and you can sign up to be part of that South Metro meal pack. All right? Cool. Well, this morning, this Sunday, every year to me, feels a bit like the Sunday in between. The Sunday in between, the, the giant grandeur and color and crowds of the Hosanna Christmas concert and the wonder and the beauty and the crowds of Hosanna Christmas services. It's the Sunday in between. It's also a really special Sunday for us as a church because of all these babies between our campuses that we get to be baptizing this weekend. So congratulations again to all of those families. And then it is a significant Sunday for us as a church because it is our final Sunday in our year-long journey with Jesus. 50 weeks, you know, of course, Christmas is gonna be all about Jesus, but I think just taking a moment to recognize how significant it is that for 50 weeks as a church family, we have, every Sunday, been singularly focused on Jesus, on who he was and what he did and what he cared about and, and who he included and what made him angry and his miracles and the tough topics that he was willing to address. And in most of those messages, you know, all year long, we've mostly been living inside of the earthly life of Jesus, Jesus' life when he walked this earth. But in this final series, in this Advent series, we are spending time considering what it means that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ of Christmas. We have been reminding ourselves that Christ is not Jesus' last name, and it's not a cuss word. Okay, Jesus, Christ is, is the title that was given to Jesus and only him. It's a title that carries deep meaning, deep significance, far more than we'll be ever, really ever be able to fully comprehend. But this Advent season, as we've been leaning into the Christ of Christmas, I really do believe that for me and for you, Christmas is gonna take on a deeper meaning for us this year because of that. 
And so we've been living inside of this simple phrase, Christ who was, Christ who is, and Christ who is to come. So Ryan gave the message on Christ who was, and we got to look at how in scripture Christ is embedded into everything. The way that Paul says it to the Ephesians is Christ is in all and through all. And so Ryan encouraged us this Advent season to be looking for Christ, looking for Christ in everybody and in all circumstances. And then last weekend, Pastor Laurel brought it as she does, talking about Christ who is, reminding us that Christ, this baby, really was a person who grew up in, in wisdom and stature and, and lived this beautiful life and then was crucified for our sins and, and rose again and that he is Christ who is with us, Emmanuel. So Christ who was, Christ who is, which leaves us this Sunday with Christ who is to come. Christ who is to come. And I want to warn you that this message is a little bit more of like a, an esoteric or existential message in that we are considering together a future reality, a future reality about which we have some clues, we have some understanding, but also a tremendous amount of mystery as we consider what it means that Christ will come again. There will be a second coming of Christ. And there are a lot of places in the Bible that we could go to to explore this topic, and we will a little bit later. But if you've been here for Advent, you know that each week of this series, we have been living into a, a story that is part of the Christmas narrative. And so this morning, we're gonna be living into a bit lesser known of a, of a story that happens shortly after Jesus is born. It is found in the book of Luke chapter two. We'll be starting at verse 25. So if you have a Bible with you, I would love for you to have it open and be following along following along with me, reading along with me. But I also do want to encourage you that I'm going to read this story aloud, and as I do, I would love to invite you to even close your eyes, if that's helpful to you, to be able to uh, imagine this story, engage your holy imagination, see it and touch it and smell it. I think this story will make a, a greater impact in our lives if we do that. We get to behold the moment when Mary and Joseph bring their newborn son to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And when they are there, they encounter a very special man who's been waiting a very long time for this moment. So let's live inside of this story. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah or the Christ to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah, until he had seen the Christ. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, for as you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He, this baby, is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about their son. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. 
As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Think about those words being spoken to Mary, this, this brand new mom, and this man full of the Spirit telling her that someday a sword is gonna pierce your soul, and that's exactly what happened. We know that when Jesus grew and was crucified, he was crucified right in front of Mary's eyes. But in this moment, in this beautiful moment, Mary and Joseph get to hear from this man of God who is full of the Spirit that the baby they are holding is incredibly special. He is the one that Simeon and many have been waiting for. I wonder if you have had to wait for anything recently. Christmas is kind of like the time of year where we're all waiting, right? We're all waiting for Christmas morning. We get to figure out what our gifts are, so there's that. But an experience of waiting for something, knowing that it was gonna come, but not sure when it was going to arrive. I'm going to tell you a terrible story. It's terrible. Get ready. It's terrible. And it happened. It happens. That's a good setup for a story, right? It happened right here at our Lakeville campus a couple of weeks ago. Now, at all of our campuses this time of year, you can imagine that they're, they're busy, they're bustling with volunteers and, and staff. Everybody's getting ready for Christmas. So a uh, shout out to all the volunteers at all the campuses who came and set up the Christmas decorations and have made the cookies and the, and the food for all the various events and those things. It's a busy time for volunteers. It's also a busy time for the Hosanna staff. So there's, there's one morning where I was in my office getting my work done. I'm typing on my laptop. When I heard the sound of pounding, Pound, 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 pound. Pound, 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 pound. And I looked up and I thought, it sounds like somebody's trying to get in a door. I don't think that's my problem. And so then I went back to working. That's what happened. But then the, the, the pounding, it got fiercer, it got louder, and it got more persistent. And so I thought, well, this is strange. So I'm gonna go see what Pastor Nate thinks. So Pastor Nate, he's our volunteer pastor here at Hosanna. He offices next to me. And so I went next door, I went into his office. I said, Nate, do you hear that pounding sound? And he looked up from his work and he said, oh yeah, I hear it, but I think it's probably coming from the kitchen. And he said that because our offices share a wall with the Lakeville kitchen. And so he said, it's probably just the sound of cooking. And I thought, yeah, maybe. But then this thought dropped for me. And so I spoke it out loud. I said, but don't our walls actually, um, isn't that actually the wall that we share with the walk-in refrigerator? What if somebody's stuck in there? And Nate, he got up faster than a kid on Christmas morning. He was out of his seat. We went running into the kitchen and sure enough, there's this window in the door of that walk-in refrigerator and there was a woman in the window pounding on it like this. And so we open up that door and she comes falling out. She says, oh, thank you, thank you. I knew somebody would come. I knew somebody would come, right? Talk about the longest wait of this dear woman's life, the longest two minutes of her life. Whoo, there she was, pounding, waiting. And I need to tell you, for you know, your assurance, but also liability purposes, that <laughs> the door was not locked. It was not locked. It had just suctioned closed. And so we have sent, put, we've put a sign in there to tell people, just give it a harder shove, right? She wasn't locked in there. But there she was, pounding and waiting and expecting someone will come. Someone will come to save me. And that day, it was me and Pastor Nate. So we took a picture of the day that we got to be saviors, all right? There we are, getting to save somebody's life. Okay, back to the Christmas story, back to Simeon. 
Simeon had been pounding, waiting, expecting, hoping. The Holy Spirit had told him, you will not die before you get to see the Christ. What an incredible promise, and he was believing for it. In fact, I think one of the more beautiful things about this story, this Advent story, is getting to to look at a man, getting to see into the life of a man who was so deeply attuned with the Holy Spirit, had his ears open so that when the Holy Spirit said go, he went. And that day, the Holy Spirit said, go to the temple. So when Simeon goes to the temple, he is ready to receive. Mary and Joseph, as they walk in, carrying this little baby. And I bet they were sleepwalking, like parents of newborns often are. And they walk in, and it says that Simeon immediately knew, immediately recognized, it's him, it's him. The Messiah has come, the Christ is here, let me hold him, let me hold him. And it says that when he held him, he put him in his arms, and what he said was, God, I can die now in peace. I can die now in peace because I've seen it. I have seen your salvation, is what he says. I've seen your salvation. I've seen how you did it, God. I've seen how you have come to rescue your people. We have been waiting and you came. We have been hoping and expecting and you're here. And we know that, that Jesus did come and fulfill all those Old Testament prophecies that talked about a day when the Messiah, the Christ, would come to save God's people from sin. That happened. What a a beautiful event to anticipate and hope for and then to rejoice has happened. And this time of year, that's what we're rejoicing about. We're rejoicing about the first coming of Christ. And yet, it is also true that as Christians, as believers, We really are living inside of the time when what we are waiting for is the second coming of Christ. It's a little bit like uh, talking about how this is the Sunday in between, you know, the Christmas concert and the Christmas services. This is the time in between. It is the time in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And the first coming of Christ, we're able to sort of get our heads around because we have this beautiful, somewhat tidy nativity story, you know, that we get to celebrate the first coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is categorically more mysterious. And we know that that there has been much ink spilled, many books written, many sermons given by people who are trying, they are trying to read what the Bible says and figure it out and set our expectations. This is what we can expect with the second coming of Christ. And that really is the task, is to take the Bible and read everything that it says about this and try to discern it, try to understand it. Many people have tried. Paul, you know, in the latter part of the New Testament, when he writes his letters to to the churches, he does give some time to try and help people understand what might happen at the second coming of Christ and how we should be expectant for it. But this is our year with Jesus. And so all year long, we have been caring most about what Jesus says about a topic. And on this topic, regarding his second coming, Jesus actually talked about this a lot. All four gospels require Jesus talking about and building an expectation and instructions around his second coming, his return. And of course this morning we don't have time to read all of those passages thoroughly. And so I'm gonna ask you just to trust me for the next couple minutes to do sort of a high level overview of of the main points of emphasis that Jesus had when he talked about his second coming. And I've attached scripture references, they'll go up on the screen so that you can explore these later on if you want to and I would encourage you to do so. Three main points. The first one is we don't get to know the time. 
We don't get to know the time and the date. He made that very clear. Uh, in Mark chapter 13, specifically when he was talking with his disciples, his dearest friends, about when he would return, he said this to them. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. He's like, I don't even know. I don't even know the date and the time that I'm returning. But the Father knows. The Father knows. Now, some of you are aware that throughout the ages and even in, in recent decades, um, pastors and authors and uh, YouTube you know, prophets um, have endeavored to kind of do the math and, and read the signs and give the date. This has happened many times throughout the centuries. Give the date. This is when Jesus is coming back. But then that day comes and goes, leaving a whole lot of, of really confused people, probably angry, embarrassed people in their wake. So Jesus says, we don't get to know the time specifically, and he also makes it very clear that we will be surprised. He uses the word, you will be surprised when I come again. He talks about it, he says, you know, people will be eating and drinking and buying and selling and farming and building and scrolling TikTok and playing Wordle, and you know, we're just, we're gonna be doing our thing. We're gonna be going about our lives. When he suddenly appears, it will be a surprise. So Jesus says we don't get to know the date and the time and we will be surprised, but Jesus did also speak of signs. He said there will be signs that point to expecting my return. He actually calls them birth pains. And some among us know exactly what those feel like, exactly what they're like, right? And how they build, how they build before the big event happens, right? Before the birth happens. Jesus says that's how the signs will be. They will happen and they will get increasing before the event happens. But here's what's tricky. And I think it's important for us to have conversations about what's tricky about the Bible. Something that is tricky is that Jesus spoke of these signs, but, but among them are, are things like wars, well, uh, rumors of wars, been a lot of those, earthquakes, famines, divisions between nations. I mean, these are all things that have been happening ever since Jesus spoke those words. And some do believe, some really do think that right now we are seeing an increase in those birth pains, that they are getting stronger and faster, and so maybe the day is coming, but that's when we have to go back to point one, that Jesus says you don't get to know the time and the date. And so we don't get to know the time, we will be surprised, there will be signs, but this is the point that Jesus made most often when he spoke of his return. He said, you need to be ready. Be ready. And he talked about it in, in really, um, he told a lot of stories about this. A couple of them that I would just reference. He talked about a master and servants, about a master who goes away on a journey and the servants are left behind. And Jesus says, but the servants have to stay ready for the master to return. He could return at any point. And so they need to be watchful. They need to stay awake for the master to return so they're ready to open the door for him when he comes back. There's another story that, that uh, he talks about bridesmaids who need to keep their lamps lit, keep the oil in the lamps for when the bridegroom comes. These are pictures of, of being ready, of staying awake, of being watchful. Jesus told his followers to stay awake and be watchful. And I think we have a really beautiful picture of what this looks like in the story of Simeon that we read together, of what it looks like to live ready for the coming of Christ. I love what is said about Simeon 
It says this, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, to come and rescue Israel. These are some powerful words of what it looks like to live ready. It says that Simeon was righteous. You know, and that's one of those like fancy religion words that we throw around, but what does it really mean? It means simply to live rightly before God, to to do our best, to be committed. I believe Simeon was committed to living his life in alignment with God's will and God's ways. And of course he didn't do it perfectly because no human being ever has or ever will. I don't know what Simeon's deal was. You know, maybe he raged at the the street vendor that there was too much salt in his falafel. I I don't know what it was for Simeon. I'm sure he had issues. Everybody does. Everybody does. But we know that he was a man who desired to live righteous. And I would just say that I share that desire, and I know that many of us do. And I know that I don't get it right all the time. I'm sure of that. But I really desire, and I'm really committed to knowing what it means to live rightly before God, to live in alignment with his will and his ways for my life. I wonder if we're committed to that, how much God would be able to see us and choose us and use us in his unfolding story. I also, I love what's said about Simeon, that he is devout. He's devout. Uh, You know, I I think we could probably all have a mental picture of what it looks like to to be devout, to be devoted to the Lord, to to be focused on our relationship with him, to desire to go to the temple or go to church, to be engaged in worship, to live lives of worship. To live in such a way that that our hearts and our ears are open for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can direct us, you know, tell us where to go and that we would live in obedience to that voice. I wonder how many of us just want to live more and more like that. I know that I do. So that the Lord can lead me to be part of his unfolding story. So Simeon was righteous and he was devout and also says that he was eagerly waiting I picture like a kid on Christmas morning. Like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? You know, are you coming back, Lord? Are you coming back yet? Is it happening soon? I hope it's happening soon. Many of us hope that it's happening soon. Simeon was someone who lived with great expectation. He lived ready. He lived awake for the coming of Christ. I'm going to tell you another terrible story. It's a theme this morning. This one's a a, a little uh, deeper maybe, and a little heavier, honestly, than, than the previous. Uh, many of you know that Ryan and I are married. If you happen to be new around here, Ryan and I have the privilege of, of getting to lead this congregation together with, with other Hosanna pastors. What a privilege it is. And Ryan and I have been married for almost 24 years. It'll be 24 years this summer. And I can, I can be before you today, and I can tell you that our marriage is stronger and healthier and happier than we have ever, ever been together. And I say hallelujah about that. But hold your applause because what I'm actually gonna tell you is that there have been some very hard years. Some very hard years. I think it's important to be honest about that too. Um, particularly some of you who are part of the Hosanna story, you know you know that it was about eight years ago that Ryan took over as lead pastor of this amazing congregation, but he had some incredibly huge shoes to fill. It was a very exciting time, but it was also an incredibly stressful time. 
And Ryan shares um, often that anxiety in his life often contributes to and exacerbates stress, right? So that was going on. It was also the season when we had young children. So we're like Mary and Joseph. I mean, we were sleepwalking. Right, I mean, we had the children that wake up in the middle of the night, and if they don't have a fever, they're throwing up, and school's always canceled on Fridays. I don't know, I mean, just so many things, so much stress when you are a family with young children. And so I think that it was just a combination, it was the stress combined with the exhaustion, combined with our issues, you know, our personal issues and our interpersonal issues together that we hadn't worked out yet in counseling and therapy like we have now. And so in that season, there were just moments, there were moments when the pressure would build to the point of boiling, build to the point of of implosion. And there was one time in particular that I remember, I think I remember it this time of year because it happened this time of year. Because we all know that the Christmas season, it's so exciting, it's so wonderful, but there's also a tremendous pace and pressure to it that can kind of just collapse in on the existing pressure and make things even harder in this season. And that's what happened in our marriage. And in this moment, we were just having an impossible time communicating. I'll just tell you straight, we were fighting, fighting. But we had young kids and we knew that we needed time apart. And so we decided that I would take the young children to one of these indoor play parks that we have here in Minnesota. Thank you so much, Lord, for indoor play parks. They save our sanity. And in this moment, you know, saved this moment for Ryan and me. And we got to, I got there with the kids and, and they ran off to play and they were doing fine. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I also took that moment to send a text. I included Ryan, but I sent a text to our dear friends, Ryan and Betsy. And I think about what a gift friends like this are in our lives and how we all need to know who they are. If we don't know who they are, I pray honestly, sincerely, that in the coming year we would identify who these people are because in our lives, these were the friends that I was able to reach out to and simply say, hey friends, we're not okay. Would you please pray for us? And I remember the text that I got back, we got back from Betsy. It simply said, Take heart, friends. Jesus is with you, and he's coming. Jesus is with you, and he's coming. I remember when I read those words that they, they pierced my heart in such a deep way because I was so desperate in that moment to remember that we were not alone, that Ryan and I were not alone, though it felt like everything was collapsing in on us. The truth of this season is that that God is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We are not alone. We are not alone. Christ is in all and through all. And so it was an opportunity to remember that we were not alone. But the second part of her text meant just as much, maybe more, reminding us, and he is coming. He is coming. And for me, that sentence felt like hope. It felt like hope. Like things right now are so hard, but Jesus will come again. He will come again in the cosmic sense, yes. In the eternal sense, yes. In the sense that like all of this someday will be over. All of the pain and all of the death and all of the discord and all the things that are not as they should be. Someday Jesus will make all of those things right. And so it's a hope in a someday, but it's also a hope that Christ will come in the next moment. And the moment after that, and the moment after that. And when he comes, he will bring his peace. 
When he comes, he will bring his guidance. We needed it. When he comes, he will bring his provision. When he comes, he will bring his comfort. When he comes, he will even bring his joy. I needed hope in that moment. And right now, I just wanna speak to the marriages in the rooms and just say, I know that many of these marriages know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I want to just be able to bring you a beacon of hope, not an advertisement, but a beacon of hope to tell you that Hosanna's marriage course is gonna be happening early in 2024. It is an amazing course that is for couples who are struggling or also couples who just want renewal and more goodness in your marriages. I wonder if that is how Christ might come to your marriage in the coming year. We'll talk about more of it in, in, in the new year and the registration's already open if you're like, honey, we need to sign up for that right now, right now. But I also know that it isn't just marriages. It is um, situations that only the Holy Spirit, thank you Holy Spirit, that you know the story of every single person listening. There are as many stories as there are people among us today, as many situations as there are people among us today who need to hear this word. And here at Hosanna, if we haven't said it in a while, let me say it again, we believe the Lord led you here. We really do believe that the Lord led you here this Sunday morning and put you in the seat that you're in because he wanted to talk to you. Christ wanted to be with you and he wanted to remind you that he is here. Christ is here and he will come again. Christ is here. He is Emmanuel. He is in all and through all, no matter what situation you are inside of right now. Christ is in it. He is with you. But also, Christ is coming. You have hope. You have reason to hope because Jesus promises that he will come again. He will come again in the cosmic sense. He will make all things right. He will make all things new. Hallelujah for that day that is ahead of us. But also hallelujah for tomorrow when Christ will come. Hallelujah for next week when Christ will come. Hallelujah for next month and next year when Christ is gonna keep on showing up. He's gonna keep on coming in your life. And when he comes, he will bring peace. When he comes, he will bring guidance. He will bring, he will bring the provision that you need. He will bring the healing that you need. He will bring you everything that you need. Christ promises that he will come again. And so may we be found ready. May we be found ready on that day and on this day. May we be found righteous, desiring to align our lives with the will and the way of God. May we be found devout. May we be found as people who are seeking after God. We are worshiping him. Our ears are open to the Holy Spirit that he would be able to direct us and guide us. May we be found ready for that day and on this one. Christ is here and Christ will come again. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, 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 we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful that we get to know you, that we get to know who you are, to know your character and your love and your beauty and your might and your power and all the things that you are. And God, thank you for this year where we got to know you even more deeply and be with you even more richly than ever before. Thank you for every Sunday in it. 
But thank you especially for this Advent season when we have had the privilege of remembering together that you are Christ who was. You, we declare it, our Christ who has always been. You are Christ who is, and you are Christ who always will be and who will come. And so this morning, we just ready our hearts. We ready our, our hearts with a posture of find us righteous, find us devout, find us eagerly waiting, Jesus, for your return. One day and today, inside of every situation represented among us today. We believe that you will come. We're watching for you. And it's in your beautiful, precious name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen.